we had one guy from our organization with another um, army commander that was already there. And he said, okay, this is a very dangerous area. There's a lot of terrorists walking around. We do not know who is terrorist and who is not because a lot of them also disguise as um, army soldiers and policemen. So we give you a location where we know there's a lot of um, injured people and you just go there. You do not stop in the middle of the road, no matter what, no matter what. Hello and welcome. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Hannah Weisberg, host of this podcast. Today I am joined by Naomi Galliano, who is a medic at United Hatzalah in Israel. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you so much for joining us. And I know that you are juggling so many things in order to be here. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, so, Nomi, you're a medic at, at United Hatzalah. Can you tell us a little about what does that mean? I mean, on a general basis, and then we'll get into what it means now. But what is like what is United Hatzalah, and what it is it? What is it that you do there? Okay, so United Hatzalah is um, today is more of an international uh, nonprofit organization for medics, paramedics, doctors, nurses that wants to volunteer on their own time in their own uh, town or life environment to give the first medical assistant in any type of case, in any type of medical emergency. Wow. So you could be called any time to come and help somebody medically. As long as I'm the closest one to give the first call. The, the, the most important purpose of our job, of our, all of us are volunteers, so of our, 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 of our volunteering is to be there before the ambulance. So if I'm close enough to a situation, to a case, to a medical emergency, less than two minutes or uh, the our goal is one minute wow. <laughs> arriving wow. time, then I'll be there. Wow. Uh, we, yeah, we have a special radio. Uh, it's also a satellite, sort of a satellite phone connected to GPS at all times, even if it's on silence. And it, attach it and it sees where I am. So if the police get a call or um, MDA get a call or us getting a call of an emergency near me, the system will see that I'm the closest and it will just start beeping like crazy. Wow. And I see, I could see over there, it will tell me, it will take you 35 seconds to get to that place. Wow. So you'll just drop whatever you're doing, whatever you're with, and you'll just go run to help the person. Yeah. I try my best to do that. Sometimes I can't. And of course I'm pressing, I have a special button that I can press. I cannot go now. And it will immediately go to the next person closest. This person probably got the message the same time I got it, just in case. Right. Um, most of the people in the, between the at least uh, five kilometers will get that message. <laughs> Usually you know where you're at and you know if you're close or not. And if you, of course, and if you're closer, you get even a double message. So you will know you're, you're the closest. And this, this is all day, all night, anytime? Emergency can happen anytime. all the time, every wow. day and night. So yes. it wakes you up in the middle of the night and you just go running. If I can. And right. yeah, 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 yeah. It happened already. Yeah. Wow. So what, what, what motivated you to, to, to be a, a United Hatzalah medic? What motivated you to volunteer? It's all a volunteer position. It's not paid. It's just something that you do from the goodness of your heart. What motivated you to do that? 
Um, I think since I was a little girl, I liked, I loved volunteering, and I did it as a girl, as a teenager. I volunteered with kids uh, that had cancer in hospitals, uh, with uh, people with disabilities. And then I got married and I had my own kids and I don't have that much time anymore. I cannot, you know, tell my husband, I'm going for a night shift, volunteering at the hospital. <laughs> Not possible anymore. And then I, I, you know, life continued and I started out to do, be a doula to support women that give birth naturally. And all the time I had friends that were already medics and they always told me, you have to do it. You have to do it. And every time I had a different excuse, why not? It's not the time, the Corona, a baby, a pregnancy until, uh, almost, uh, two years ago, a friend of mine called me and she said, I signed you for the next course. You're going next week. Wow. wow. <laughs> how, how long, how long is the course? Six months. And then another three months of internship. Amazing. Wow. And, and, I just want our audience to understand. So you, you have children. How old are your children? I have two children, two boys. One of them is six years old and the little one is two and a half years old. So your your life is quite full. A two and a half year old and a six, six year old. Life could be two <laughs> boys. Like life could be pretty full. You also work, you work, you know, which we'll get, we'll get yeah. into that afterwards. Um, so, so Nomi, yeah. you have, you know, quite a big, busy life. You have two children, two boys, and yet you do this. I just want our our, our listeners to understand um, and to just thank you for what you're doing, that you're doing this, such a beautiful job, such a beautiful work that you're doing, so altruistic, despite your busy life. So thank you. Um, now tell us a little about how things have changed with what or how, what the situation is now since October 7th. How have things changed for you? As, a, as this medic for United Hatzalah? Um, a lot of our protocols have changed. Let's say um, if we have a situation of a CPR uh, that will happen or occur while we are outside and there is a siren going on, we'll have to stop everything we're doing mm -hmm. and go hide. And in any other normal situation, when you do a CPR and you have some you know major crisis and you have you know, you have to do that process, you do not stop. You continue until you have a doctor comes and says, or is alive right. or is dead. But you continue, you do your best to save lives. And here uh, we find ourselves in, in a certain situation where we, we cannot do the maximum that we know that we can, you know, wow. to save a life. Which, uh, sure. Oh my gosh. Wow. That, that, I didn't even think of that. Like here you're in the middle of doing CPR and the siren goes off and you just have to stop. Wow. Yeah. Have you been having a lot more calls lately? Yes. Um, uh, the, I think it's, I don't know if it's good or bad. It for sure positive because we get more calls for house births because women in the late pregnancy, they, they apparently are too scared oh, now wow. to go to the hospital and they just wait to the last second. And sometimes that last second is, uh, it's a little bit too late. So we have a major, major, like I don't know, double calls of, uh, you know, um, women around me just wow. giving birth at home and, and you just, and you're there to deliver. So that's pretty amazing because uh, usually you, maybe once a month you will get a call and even then, uh, you're probably not going to be the first sure. one to be there. And, and now I, I got that opportunity, even though I'm a doula, you know, it's a different story to get to a case and, 
you know, to, to deliver. be the first one to deliver right. the baby wow. to your hands. Be a support to the yeah. woman versus de actually delivering the baby. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, is there also more because more cases because so many men are away in the in the army? Yes, uh -huh. also that. Yeah, and we have you have another type of callings that been doubled and tripled, uh, panic yeah. attacks uh, that happens a lot. Yeah, we get that in my area at least uh, four or five times a day. You're getting a panic attack. Uh, yeah, we're getting and why why is someone panicking? Yeah. Because of the siren? Because because maybe he just came from work and on his way home he had a siren and he didn't know what to do or got confused, or maybe it's a teenager that was at school and had an alarm and had the siren on and and then he got home and he was alone and he got scared and he, he began to hyperventilate or anything like that. It, it could be someone old that. Maybe his son or his grandson is in the army and suddenly at night he gets scared and, you know, and just um, he doesn't know what to do. So it yeah. happens a lot. We find ourselves uh, also not helping only in the physical side of the medic uh, job, but yeah. also in the mental. Right, sure. As as we can. I mean, the situation is so volatile and so horrific, like, you know, so in so many areas that we, you don't even think of these things like, but yeah, people are probably panicking because of the situation that they're in. Not only that, sometimes we get calls now also from elderly that lives alone. And sometimes wow. at night they feel lonely. <laughs> so we, because we're not profit organization, if, if they call us, they do not need to pay afterward for the medics or mm -hmm. for the ambulance that came. So they calling. We have a special line. They call us, and and we have a few locations that we know that this call is gonna be like, okay, we're probably gonna go and drink some coffee with this uh, grandfather, or you know, have some cookies wow. and tea with that old lady. Uh, which is uh, sometimes it's fun because uh, you could hear some interesting stories, and uh, you know, you did you did your part for that night, even if it was wow, for that's so minutes. special. I mean, I, I'm just picturing you having tea and coffee when in the middle of the night with an elderly person who. <laughs> just didn't have someone to come there who just, you know, was using you. Don't tell my husband, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Um, what happened on October 7th? Were you called? Were you called there? Can yes, you tell us a little called. about it? Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into graphics because um, I think uh, people heard mm. and saw. But for my part, I, I will tell my my. Uh, sure. from my side of the story uh, it's Simchas Torah which is a, a holiday and in my community we get ready to go to the synagogue to dance with the kids we have special flags they made at school before a few days before and we're getting ready you know putting nice clothes on it was early morning and then we had the siren going on and okay it's uh, it's unusual but fine we go into the safe room that we have at home and uh, we wait a few minutes we hear the bombed the phones uh, we go out and situations like that of course i'm i'm a religious woman so i do not use electricity during saturday during shabbos so uh but in cases of emergency in case there is a falling of a missile next to my house and i'm the first to respond i have to sure. have my phone with me to be able to aid so once the siren went on i of course i turned on my phone and and i started to get all these messages in in our special groups um, something going up south, we need help, and 
message after message after message and this is already a, around 8 a.m this message has started already wow. 6 a.m and i'm saying this message like my phone is just like stop, not stopping beeping and what's my husband on? looking at me like what's right. going on <laughs> yeah because we don't open the news we don't i don't all the news app are turned off just in case i will need to open my phone so i don't see anything just the messages sure. that I get for emergency and then on my radio phone the head of my district district uh is a paramedic and he goes on the radio line he said hello it's shabbos everybody we need help anyone that can leave his house right now please contact me i cannot tell you because i don't know uh what's the what's the damage but we're looking at a huge terror attack uh please if anyone could help us call me um, I had a discussion with my husband uh, because it was, you know, it's sure. a mutual decision to to see if I'm going or not going. And then he told me, I wish I could go. I wish I were in the army and he's not. Uh-huh. Uh, so I told him, I have an opportunity to help in my side. I'm not going to fight, but uh, my fight is it's different, but I can help. And then he said, you go, you're going to uh-huh. go. So <laughs> I packed a I. I packed a backpack and with another colleague of mine that is an ambulance driver. Uh, we went and you didn't know what outside. you would find. You just knew that they they needed help, but you didn't know what you'd find there. Yeah, no, no, we didn't. Uh, on the way, we had f- only 40 minutes ride. It's not that far from my house, the entrance to the Gaza uh, Strip. So in that 40 minutes, I did open my phone to special protocols we have mm-hmm. for terror attacks. Because we said, okay, Israel is a country that known in her past, a lot of type of terror attacks. So let's go over protocols, sure. you know, be prepared. And we look at the most severe ones of the explosions of, of buses at the second Intifada and in, in the beginning of the 2000s. And that was the biggest one that ex- terror exploded inside restaurants and buses. And we looked at that and, you know, we started to go through the protocols, how to treat uh, a mass um, injury situation. I think in the United States you call them code mm-hmm. orange, if I'm not mistaken. So we practiced, but nothing, nothing prepared us for for the catastrophe. We, wow. we witnessed nothing. So what happened? You got there, and were you scared? Got, were there terrorists still there when you got there? I got there before the army uh, came in. So yeah, uh, it was terrifying. It was it was terrifying. Uh, when when we got uh, we had a certain junction where all our ambulances were gathering there and we had our it was amazing because we are most of the people that work for the organization for United mm-hmm. Salah are religious and they all left their houses from all over the wow. country to come and help and in that junction you've seen uh, people with uh, stramels which is uh, the fur hat of uh, a Hasidish and with you know, uh, holiday clothes with suits, just loading boxes with medical supply on the ground and, and working. And, you know, they just, they left everything wow. and came to wow. help. Wow. That's something just picturing yeah. that scene. It must've been amazing. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's, it's, really, it's not something yeah. you, you think. What a people, a what a nation that yeah. everyone came running and then what, and what, yeah, wow. And then what? And then uh, we got tactic uh, gears to protect us from shootings. And we had one guy from our organization with another um, army commander that was already there. 
and he said, okay, this is a very dangerous area. There's a lot of terrorists walking around. We do not know who is terrorist and who is not because a lot of them also disguise as um, army soldiers wow. and policemen. So we give you a location where we know there's a lot of um, injured people. And you just go there. You do not stop in the middle of the road no matter what. No matter what. You do not stop. Uh, thank God the um, uh, ambulance driver that was with me, he, he, he was armed. And they uh, told him, uh, hold your gun next to your chest or on the steering wheel and drive with the other hand wow. just in case. And that was, um, that was a minute that we, we, we began to... I don't think if we begin to understand, but you know, something, something started well, to, to click to, to, what's we going started on. to realize that, yeah, to click. Yeah. Not, to not even what's going on that we're, right. that's a, it's a different situation. It's something else. Were you scared? Were you scared was. then? I'm sure. Terrified. Oh my gosh. Wow. Terrified. Um, but you know, we said, um, me and my friend, his name is Avi. He lives next to me. That is the ambulance driver. Uh, we looked at each other and he said, uh, "Look, uh, we don't, we don't have right. to, because right. we volunteers. It's not, it's not our job." And then he asked me, "Do you want to go?" And I said, "No, I don't, I'm not going home. We got here, and uh, mm -hmm. people needs us, so we're gonna go in." And then he said, "Okay, I'm, I'm wow. okay, let's do it." What made you say that? <laughs> I think. Um, my kids, my husband, um, and, and what do you mean? I mean, you would, you would think for your kids, for I your know. husband, you'd go back home. What made you continue? I know at home they are protected, but if I'm not going to protect the people over there, then who knows where mm. the terrorists could get to wow. the next. So wow. unbelievable. So you went further and then what did you see? Terrible things. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to go into the details, uh, but you. I, I could give you, I don't mind talking, just, you know, a pretty right. trigger alert. <laughs> but uh, so we'd start to drive uh, towards uh, more, the more kibbutzim that were the closest to the border. And we go, we went through the road that it called uh, the 232 road, uh, which now, now in Israel we describe as the death road. And after maybe less than one kilometer that we started to drive into that road, we started to see the horrors, car after car after car on the side of the road, in the middle of the road, um, blocking us upside down, burning in flames, families butchered inside cars and uh, on the road itself. You could barely, you could you could barely drive in more than than twenty kilometers wow. an hour. It's it's wow. almost impossible. So you right. so you see everything. Uh, you don't you cannot even close your eyes because you, I was sitting next to my driver, you know, and I told him, "You look straight. I look to the sides. If I see danger, I will tell. I will scream left or right. And if I see an obstacle, a body." I will tell you, take the right mm. or take the left. So you just look straight because I, I need you to focus. You're driving. I mm. don't know how to drive mm. an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in your hands. So. Were, were any how, of the people uh, there injured or they were all dead? They all dead. were all, all dead. So, all of them were. It was 
even with the tiniest look right. you saw, I'm, I'm wow. heads that been um, wow. separated wow. from the bodies. So you you continue driving to help to get to the people that needed your help. Yeah, yeah, we're at a first location in a kibbutz called Alumim, which is a kibbutz pretty close to Beri and Kfar Gaza, where the most um, horrific uh, massacres were uh, been taking place. And so we drove to Alumim. In the middle of the in the middle of the way, uh, we got a call that there is an exchange of uh, fire. 200 meters next to us so uh, we have to go to the closest uh, one one kibbutz before which is called Saad because right now it's one of the only kibbutzim in the areas that have full Israeli control all the others had almost wow. full control of the wow. Hamas so we stopped at Saad and before the gate of the of the kibbutz of that village and the megaphone they screamed at us take your weapons down Put your weapons down. Get out of the ambulance. Hands in the air. Identify these <gasps> Jews. You have oh, because they didn't know if you were Hamas or the Israeli so, army. So we get out of the ambulance. Hands shaking, like you know, putting our hands up, and and then we're like looking at each other, and we're like we start to scream for Israel, because that's the only thing that you, of course you know, that comes to your head. Like that's not going to help. You're going to scream we're Jewish. Sure. Maybe they could scream that. So we just start to say my Israel. And then <laughs> and then they realize that you were there and, to help. Uh, Wow. Yeah, so they opened the gates, they brought us in, and it was even it was a few seconds before the terrorists were where our ambulance was and, and the exchange of fire was next to us and one of the of the of, of the kibbutz soldiers just took me and he, he pulled me to the ground and told me to lay down and, and don't get up. And you you hear the bullets on top of you. It's it's like you hear like the whistle of the bullets. Unreal. Wow. How long how long were you That's there okay. for? So I was there till Sunday night. I went to sleep for two hours in the middle of Sunday morning, uh, but I went back sun- and I worked nonstop till Sunday, Sunday night. night. Almost Monday, almost Monday morning, around like uh, I think maybe five a.m. Wow! So you left Friday. Sunday morning and you were there till the next morning, almost. No, I. I left. We left. Oh left wow! So you're there working almost two days straight. Wow, Saturday. and working nonstop. What What are your thoughts like yeah. now? You must have nightmares from what 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 you saw. I do. I have. Uh, I, I I told my husband I'm I'm not going to sleep alone. I'm going to sleep with maybe more than hundred and two hundred people. I don't know how many I'm going to sleep with me every night, and I'm waking up with them every morning. And yeah, it's um, it's hard. I I am I'm receiving treatment for trauma, wow. a really good one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, it's um, I know it's gonna sound hard, but um, this is a second right. Holocaust. My grandmother is a Holocaust survivor, and when I got back, I called her. She she called me before, but I like I didn't answer, and then I called her, and she's um she asked me. Is it true? So I said yes, and she said, um, "Like my stories." No. I said yes, and 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 you cannot. And then I started to understand. I'm like, 
all the stories that you hear as a child that they had to run from their homes and and they were running after them and they hide in the bushes and and they hide under rocks and and they went to the forest to hide and they were butchering everybody children elderly all you know like every movie that Netflix likes to make about the Holocaust and it just every Howard became alive and 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 I think these terrorists they put Hitler to shame with what they did in in twenty four hours wow. they put it um, I, unbelievable. I can't describe it unbelievable what what is the mood now in Israel I mean it's it's already a few it's already more than a month after that what is what is the mood that you're seeing um. Well, there's a lot of good tell us, things. Tell us some. We need some of the good, of, um, the good things. Hurtful. Let's hear some of the. <laughs> so, yeah. So the good things. That's what keeps. That just. That, that what. What is it? What is it that morning. keeps you going every morning uh, and keeps you so, helping so many people after what you saw? Well, you know, the Jewish nation. We like to fight. We have a lot of arguments. <laughs> we like to hate each other. <laughs> it's 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 in our DNA. We can't help it. Uh, uh, we hate our neighbors, especially if we are we Jewish. Don't, we just argue, and right? We now, argue. <laughs> we argue, you know, I saw her dress. I saw her recipe. Her cake is disgusting. You know, we, we love and right. hate in the same amount. So um, in, in the past year, a lot of, maybe a lot of people I know saw that the politics and everything in Israel was, it was horrible and the nation was torn to pieces. And now... I see more and more communities getting together only on the base of them being Jewish and only on the base of them uh, feeling and hurting and loving for each other, which is amazing. Um, it's incredible that um, when I was uh, out there for a week and a friend of mine, um, that not even Jewish, uh, she called me, how are you doing in Israel? And I told her, um, I'm, a, I'm out there at the South. I cannot talk. And, you know, she helped organize uh dinner to my house to my kids and to my husband because she figured that if i'm not i'm okay so someone need to do it and i didn't ask her to do it and that you see um a lot of um pretty uh ultra orthodox that are usually against the army and against the israeli government sitting every day learning um for the Mm -hmm. success of our soldiers each and every one of them have a name of a soldier a specific soldier and they have 20 four hours shift after shift after shift of studying and learning and saying to him and and studying from studying from the bible and from the torah only for the success of this right. specific person and i'm talking about thousands and thousands of 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 the most the most radical ultra ultra dusk the youth is incredible yeah. and even from and from the other side from the other side not religious people and people that have no connection to religion at all. Uh, you know, when they just go to soldiers and ask them what they need. And I've seen them more than once that uh, a soldier could go into a restaurant or into a cafe if you have a tiny break from the duty that he's doing right now. And, you know, the people just tell them, you don't have to pay, don't pay. Wow. You know, this is on the house. <laughs> Um, if they see supermarkets that see women that they know that their husbands is out there fighting for us, tell her you don't have to pay for your groceries. Mm. Just take it home. That's that's really heartwarming. That's really heartwarming. We're we're seeing also so many not religious also taking on mitzvahs. Are you seeing that as well? What are you seeing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tons and tons and tons of people that again didn't even have bar mitzvah. 
posting on Facebook and people that I personally know that also never thought of even, you know, do a fast on Yom Kippur. They put into feeling every day because they say, even if I'm not religious, I'm not doing the act of tefillin to be religious. I'm doing the act of tefillin because um, that identifies me as a Jew. And I'm proud to be a Jew. Which I think for me, it's, um, you know, I'm a religious person. And I'm trying to keep as much mitzvahs and commands that I can in Judaism. And to see someone that all his life um, in his head, to do any one of the commands, it it meant become religious and now it clicked in his head that some of the commands it's not to be religious is what identify right. you as a jew and you to, to be proud of being a jew wow a jew. that's very special that's really very special incredible wow um nomi i want you to tell everybody a little bit about what you do as a in, in your work you do you also work can you tell us a little about that so I have two jobs. Yeah, it sounds like you have um, a lot of jobs. You have your yeah. children, you have, you have oh, yeah. your family, you have so many things that you do, but tell us a little about your other job. Okay, so I'm a coordinator of a national service for kids from special needs, with special needs. Kids, not kids, they're already more than 18, but um, they are... Most of them Down syndrome, on the autistic spectrum, or CP. Um, they they are in in a good enough and um, functioning level, and they cannot do the army, but they want to volunteer. They want to contribute from their time to the country. So what I do is find them places to volunteer in hospitals or in local farms or in medical um, areas or any um, organization that cooks uh, food for the needies. And uh, that's what they do for two years. That's their uh, national service. That's wow, their army incredible. duty. And it, has, that, has that been affected by the war right now? Of course. Uh, we have a lot of places, uh, usually like farms, animal farms and vegetable farms that do not have any um, security place, any secure uh, um, shelter for bombing. And so we had to find them different places. But again, uh, the Israeli nation, you know, <laughs> we know how to love and to hate. So uh, we have tons of hotels in Israel right now that have been occupied with tons, with thousands of families from the north and from the south that cannot return home. So every volunteer that his usual place is closed, going to volunteer in these places with the kids, with the families, you know, take the kids and and do some drawings or any activity with them, or even go and take basket of laundries of that laundry of that people and, you know, take it back home and do their laundry because in the hotel, well, you know, it's pretty difficult to do laundry for wow. that many people. So these are special ch- children who are going to the families, the displaced families and yeah. taking and helping from them. In any way, yeah. in any way that they can. they can. That yeah. even ones that in a wheelchair or have a severe disability in their legs or hands. I even have two of my volunteers that they have pretty severe physical disability. They opened a YouTube channel uh, for games and for activities for That's incredible. these kids. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So 
you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's incredible because you have people who could be feeling so sorry for themselves that they're handicapped or that they're special in certain ways and that they can't, but instead of feeling sorry for themselves or feeling like a victim themselves, they're out there helping another family who's in a difficult position right now to make it easier for them. It's just such an empowering way to be living. I think it's also um, why it's one of the reasons why I'm working at this job, at this organization that offered this program for special needs, because they doing what they doing now at war because of how we let them and how we show them the their value during during the year during every. What do you year. mean by that? That's our that every kid that I received that finished high school and he tells me. I want to do a national service, but I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know what I can do. I know I have disabilities. They know they are different. And my job is to, is to see what's their strength and try to give him a job that will make him feel that he's doing, that he's contributing, right. because that's what he wants to do. So I think if they weren't feeling that way, they weren't able to do what they do now if they didn't have any faith. So that's why I like my job, because I have the opportunity to... Give them faith to show them you, you, yes, you're different. Yes, you have your disabilities, but you, you still can do a lot. Wow. You, you still everything. have your, your your contribution to make to this world. You still have something that you can do that's so yeah. valuable to people, to others that need your help. That's that's incredible. That's a beautiful thing. So how do you, like, tell us a little about your schedule. Like, I, I'm just wondering how you manage to juggle everything. <laughs> uh. So uh, the good thing about my job is that okay. I make my own schedule. I'm doing, I have special visits. I have to visit between, I have 30 youngs uh, that I'm in charge of their uh, national service. 30, 30 special, so, special children that to, you're in charge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to uh, dedicate half an hour every two wow. weeks to each one of them for, yeah, it's, you know, it's a private meeting to discuss if they have any issues to help them. And just, you know, to be there, to be there, mm -hmm. to be there for them. So my morning, usually I wake up at like around 6 a.m., uh, <laughs> breakfast for my kids, getting ready, um, dropping them at school. Uh, and then I have around an hour drive uh, because I'm in charge of Petah Tikva and Roshan, which is more cities in more center in Israel. And, I, and I'm a little bit more to the south. So you have an hour drive, uh, and then uh, you have every day. I have between six to eight youngs that I'm going to visit in in the in the places mm -hmm. where they serve. I'm going there. I see everything is okay. I see that uh, their employees are treating them rightfully, and if they have some issues, and sometimes the employee wants to help but he doesn't know how to make that connection or how to. Um, work with that disability so I'm the one to help them do that to negotiate and to and see how you could work together even though there are some differences sure. in, wow. in disabilities uh, yeah so and that's my morning uh, usually I have my radio on on the road um, my with a cell, satellite on just in case that if I see a car accident or or anything anyone that needs 
on the road help, medical help. And then I, I stop and, and, you know, I'll help. And then wow. I continue on my Incredible. way. Incredible. <laughs> wow. Nonstop helping. Um, you, you shared with me also when we were speaking before about, uh, you know, how you, you sometimes are, are helping people who aren't even Jewish, some Arabs that are there. And I thought that was fascinating for those people who think, you know, for people out there who just think that, you know, Israelis are only for Israel. Can you tell us a little about what happened that time? Yeah. First of all, as a medic, I'm there to save lives. It doesn't matter who lives. It doesn't matter the gender, the nation. It doesn't matter from where. And yeah, last week, I think it was last week or two weeks ago when we talked, um, I I was on my way to Jerusalem. I'm also a doula. So I was on my way to one of my clients in the hospital. And right in front of me, I see, you know, a car accident occurred right in front of my eyes. Of course, I stopped my car. I'm getting out. I'm taking, I have a equipment with me at all times. I have um, a huge bag that is more, more than 25 kilos <laughs> with all the almost every equipment that you could think of, the first uh, aid that you could do. And, you know, I'm starting to see what's going on. Um, the driver, uh, he, he was a little bit, he wasn't severely hurt, but he was hurt. Uh, he broke, I think he, he broke a limb. So, you know, I'm lying him on the ground. I'm making sure the environment is safe enough for me to treat him. And he's hysterical, and he doesn't speak Hebrew. And then he starts mm-hmm. speaking Arabic. And then mm-hmm. I asked him, "Do you speak English?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, some." So I started, you know, to talking to him in English and telling him, "You're gonna be okay. I'm just checking what's going on with you. Um, don't worry. Just stay with me. What's your name?" And and then it took a, a, some time. It took like a tw- ten or fifteen minutes for the wow. ambulance to get there. And I was with them at all, all the time. And uh, when the ambulance came, he looked at me, he's like, you're coming with me, right? I'm, like, I'm <laughs> right. sorry, I can't come wow. with you. Uh, wow. but you're in good hands. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, life, life important. Life important, it doesn't matter of whom. That's, I think that's what also makes us unique from other nations. Judaism um, will do anything save to save life. Because even one life is, is the whole world. So... Um, it doesn't matter who it is or what is opinions. I'll do my best in my wow. position to help. Wow. You're saving lives. You're teaching the value of their life to your special needs children. You're, you're, uh, you're really doing so much that we're so grateful for here. And you're sharing with us so much of what is so special about the Jewish people. Um, any last closing words that you want, any message that you want to tell people about what the situation in Israel or what we can be doing to be helping or helping the situation? Um, so physically, obviously, right. uh, pretty far. <laughs> but, you know, um, today we work with the media. So if you see in the media, it doesn't have to be a horrific story. It could be the best story of, you know, of a dad hugging his girl that came back from the army. It could be someone not religious helping a religious person um, take the groceries home. Share that, you know, share the good things. Share share it and, and, and tell people, be proud of being Jewish. And if you're not Jewish, then, then, then look into it and try to see that uh, we... We're good people, and we try right. our best to help others. Well, it doesn't matter from where it, we It's are. true. I mean, I guess we all have, whether we're in the media or not, we all have people that we can be sharing with and teaching with, teaching to and uplifting. 
And if we could uplift people with the stories about how someone is sharing or how someone from the Jewish people is doing a good thing to another and the unity of the Jewish nation, we've just shared light and goodness. And that's, that's, that's so, so important for all of us to hear. Nomi, thank you for sharing your light with us. Thank you for teaching us a little about your, your, your life in your corner. I wish you good luck in everything that you do, how you juggle all your many responsibilities, your special needs ch children, your, your own children, your work as a medic. And may you continue um, helping people and saving lives and healing people. Thank you so much for all that you're doing there. Thank you for Thank being you. with us. Thank, Thank you. you for Something that just struck me about the interview with Nomi Galliano, the medic from United Hatsala, aside from her day being so filled with just running to help people, I mean, from her, the special needs uh, children that she helps in her real job to her volunteer work, which she doesn't get any pay, any payment for, for United Hatsala, where she just has to basically drop everything and run to help save a, a soul to, to save somebody. Um, but one thing that especially stood out was the moment that she had to make that decision where she was going on October 7th, she got to the kibbutz, she got to the place and she sees that it's it's a dangerous situation there. There's terrorists there. She's basically putting her life online. And she turns to the ambulance driver and he and they both ask each other, do you want to continue? And they don't have to continue. They're volunteers. And she makes the decision that, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to go help people, even if I'm putting my own life at risk as a mother, as a wife. And it just hit me that sometimes in life we're, we're put in a situation where Thank God we're not in a situation where we have to give up our lives, but we have to make ourselves a little uncomfortable. We have to make a decision between do we want to go and help somebody or do we want to take care of our own self, our own needs? And when I am in such a situation, I think I'm going to remember Naomi's reaction, how when she was in that situation, she decided, I'm going to go in there and help because this is what the Jewish people are all about. This is what we are all about, helping another person, helping to make the world a better place. And that, I think, was quite remarkable. If you enjoy watching these podcasts, I invite you to make sure that you sign up to receive these in your email, in your email, in your deliver to your email. Uh, please sign up on Chabad.org forward slash extraordinary. And as always, we love to hear your feedback. So if you have any comments or any suggestions or any thoughts after a, an interview, after a podcast, please drop us a line. We really enjoy hearing from you. Of course, these podcasts are also available on any podcast listening channel on Apple and so forth. So be sure to catch us there as well. Thank you so much for joining and have a wonderful day.